Okay, the title of this presentation is Mystical Union with Mary. I'd like to begin with a prayer. This prayer comes from St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi, who was um, a Carmelite. And this is an excerpt from one of her prayers. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Come Holy Spirit, you who descending into Mary caused the Word to take flesh, effect in us by grace what you accomplished in her by grace and nature. Come, you who are the nourishment of all chaste thoughts, the fountain of all clemency, the summit of all purity. Come and take away from us all that hinders us from being absorbed in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Amen. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, in Carmel, we aspire to climb up Mount Carmel, right? That's our journey as we grow in union with God. And who better to help us than our Blessed Mother? St. Pius X, who was a pope, wrote the encyclical on Mary uh, because he saw in Mary a providential means of bringing all souls to Christ. He said, Nobody in the world has known Jesus as she has. Nobody is a better teacher and better guide to teach Jesus. From, it, from this, it follows that neither is anybody equal to her in uniting men to Jesus. Another Carmelite, Venerable Michael of St. Augustine, he's an Ocarm, um, who lived in the early 1600s, so shortly after the death of St. Teresa of Avila, he had a great devotion to the Blessed Mother. And he wrote a great deal about his devotion to her. And this is one of the things he said. I would indeed be remiss were I not in my own small way to exhort you to cultivate a heartfelt devotion, a true childlike trusting love for Mary, the worthiest of all mothers. She's our most powerful and efficacious means of living a Christ-like life, particularly as we delight in invoking her as mother of divine grace and mother of mercy. She is the one who loves Mary, excuse me, the one who loves Mary by constant exercise, acquires the habit or practice of having her as loving mother present in mind, so that all one's thoughts and affections terminate both in her and in God, and the person can forget neither the loving mother nor God. And the perfect reign of Mary in us also at the same time consists in the perfect reign of Jesus in our souls. Nothing of the reign of Mary contradicts the reign of Jesus, but is totally ordered to it. She never ceases to entreat for you those graces necessary for your perseverance in true holiness. At all times, she acts as your well of living waters." End of quote. We know that a principle of the union of love states, the nature of love is to tend to union with the beloved. We've heard that from St. John of the Cross many times. The deeper the love experience, the greater the sacrifice one is willing to undertake for the sake of the beloved. So it's clear that a union with Mary leads us to a greater union, a more perfect union with God. But what does this union with Mary look like? Now there are different kinds of union with Mary. And Father Emil Newbert from the Society of Mary wrote a wonderful book called Life of Union with Mary in which he categorizes union with Mary in many ways. And I'm going to list them. And I'd like you to think about how you are united with Mary in that manner. Number one, union of thought. Number two, union of will. Number three, union of sentiments. Number four, union with Mary in general activity. Number five, Union with Mary during spiritual exercises. That's your prayers and your devotions. Number six, union with Mary in the practice of the virtues. And finally, mystical union with Mary. And we don't hear that talked about very much. So today that's what I want to fo focus on, mystical union with Mary. 
you know, in intimate friendships, a person takes on, in a certain sense, the thoughts, the feelings, the desires, the sentiments of their beloved. And this love consists not in just thinking of that person, but rather in willing and not willing the same things as the beloved. So it is with our relationship with our mother Mary. Perfection of union with Mary is more, more a matter of the will rather than the intellect. It's of the heart rather than of the head. It is a grace that helps bring about the transfusion of Mary's soul into ours to aid us in our union with God. Father Newbert says, quote, Thus, according to the needs of our souls, we pray Mary to come to us with her purity if we are tempted, with her courage if we are low in spirits, with her confidence when we pray, with her patience in our trials, with her joy when we are elated, with her strength when we are weak. Above all, when we speak to Jesus, we want her to come to us with her love for him. If this practice becomes habitual, it gradually transforms our soul into completely a Marian soul. End of quote. Venerable Michael St. Augustine called this kind of union with Mary a Mary-form life. And he wrote, the basis of the Mary-form life is the spiritual motherhood of Mary and her mediation both of which can be seen as deeply embodied within our Carmelite tradition. The Mary-form life consists in having one's eyes open on God and his Blessed Mother, so that one promptly and joyfully does what one knows is pleasing to them and avoids what one recognizes is displeasing to them. The reign of Jesus and the reign of Mary coincide so that Jesus and Mary unanimously reign in the soul. Christopher O'Donnell, a, a Carmelite, in an article called Introducing the Carmelite Mystics, pointed out what was very particularly distinctive and original in the life of Venerable Michael of St. Augustine and in his thought. It's the notion of union with Mary as the way in which one comes into union with her son and the triune God. The union, the divine union, comes about through a person becoming more closely clothed with the virtues of Mary and through her continuing presence and accompaniment. The motherly presence of Mary accompanies the Carmelite always and growth and holiness is found through opening oneself to this presence and motherly care. In union with Mary, our joys are doubled. In union with Mary, our sorrows are lessened. So we want to do the will of Mary, who leads us into doing the will of God. So how can we know this will of Mary, you ask? Simply, we ask, Mother, what must I do to love Jesus and make him loved? Have you asked yourself that lately? Duties of state, exterior events, and inspirations of grace also reveal to us the will and the desires of our Heavenly Mother. We must reflect on our lives and be in touch with our interior and talk to our Mother. You know, consulting with our Blessed Mother is one of the most fruitful practices that we can do, but unfortunately, it's also one of the most easily neglected. Why? Because we're spiritually sluggish, or we're too busy, we're too exteriorized to recollect ourselves, or we're too hasty. So what allows a soul to progress without ceasing is the care that we take to perform our actions well. This practice is, assures purity of conscience, conscience um, since instead of seeking itself, the soul endeavors in all things to do only the will of Mary, which is also that of God. So what is the purpose again of our union with Mary? To always do the will of Jesus. Now St. Therese mm -hmm. of Lisieux would say, to cause Jesus pleasure. The Fatima visionaries would say, to console the hearts of Jesus and Mary. 
Now there are two kinds of union. There's the acquired or ordinary union. And then the second one is the mystical or what we would call supernatural union. Now in acquired union, this is a union which a faithful soul may aspire through its own efforts, um, supported by grace, so what we can do. The mystical or supernatural union is a gift of the Holy Spirit, which we cannot acquire by ourselves. It is a pure gift, and no matter how hard we try, we can't earn it or merit it. It is a pure gift, but we can dispose ourselves for it, prepare for it. In the mystical union, there's another division. There are mystical graces of two types, ordinary mystical graces and then extraordinary mystical graces. The ordinary grace is the simple consciousness which the soul has of the presence and action of God in its interior. They aid in sanctifying the soul, increasing their love, confidence, and courage, and rarely expose them to the danger of self-seeking and spiritual pride. The second type of grace is the extraordinary grace, and that's the exceptional phenomena like apparitions, visions, locutions, levitations. These are pure gifts of God, but they may lend themselves more easily to illusion, to vanity, even to eccentric conduct. So one must discern them very carefully with a spiritual director. Our focus today is on the ordinary yet mystical union with Mary. So what does this ordinary mystical union with Mary consist of? What does one experience when they have this? Well, here are some examples of some Marian souls' experience of this. They say, I feel her presence and her protection. My good heavenly mother comes to my rescue by lending me her heart, also her own dispositions. Or they may say, I feel her as the horse feels the hand of the rider that leads him. Or the spirit of Mary accomplishes all things through me. Father Newbert tells us that the essence of ordinary mystical union with Mary seems to consist then in the consciousness of an interior activity attributed to Mary. An activity which perfects the dispositions of our soul by adding her dispositions and by directing all its actions according to the intention of its mother with a view to closer union with God. The awareness of that activity of Mary may be more or less intense. Additionally, there is the gift of ordinary mystical union with Mary. There is a certain presence of Mary. Now, what does this presence mean? A presence exterior to the soul, by which Mary is considered very near, would be one of them. Now, St. Teresa of Avila experienced the presence of Jesus nearby. She said she felt him on her right side. In the deeper gift of presence of Mary, there is an interior presence. And now, St. Teresa of Avila also experienced this gift of presence, but... She talks about it with Jesus, that she experienced Jesus within. The gift of the presence of Mary supposes the awareness of an interior presence of Mary. Not as if she resided in the soul as God resides there, but insofar as she makes the soul feel her action, united with its own, in order to purify and intensify that action. So whatever we do is done better with Mary, in Mary, and through Mary, because Mother knows best, right? Is this mystical presence of Mary identical with the mystical presence of Jesus, you might ask? The answer is no. There is a close relationship. Jesus resides and acts in us. Mary does not reside in us, but she does act in us. Mary does not live in us, but possesses us in a presence by which she is acting in us. We must understand the word presence as an almost constant awareness of the action of Mary in the interior. So what must we do? I'm going to give you four conditions 
or dispositions that are conducive for the fidelity to the Blessed Virgin Mary that predisposes the soul for the reception of this amazing, ordinary, mystical union with Mary. And it's very Carmelite. Here they are. Number one, a generous life of total self-surrender, total consecration of oneself to Mary. Number two, a Christocentric spiritual life. Number three, a profound recollection of soul in its interior sanctuary, a profound interior spirit. And Carmelites do this through silence and solitude of body and of mind. And most importantly, when we pay attention to God within the sanctuary of our soul, like Elizabeth the Trinity and the divine indwelling, thinking of God present within and speaking to him and confiding our sentiments and all of our needs to him. The fourth condition, and here is where most of us really lack, an exceptional, absolute confidence in Mary, marked by constant efforts toward a more and more intimate life of union with her. One can easily think of the confidence and trust of St. Therese, the little flower. It's the kind of certainty that with Mary, all the difficulties that we encounter will be vanquished. That's a great confidence. Souls who generously apply themselves to these four conditions normally receive the gift of the presence of Mary. Again, this is the ordinary mystical union with Mary, not extraordinary like visions and locutions. So what blocks a soul from receiving this gift? It's the incomplete giving of self. You know that Teresa Valva says that God can't give himself totally to us until we give ourselves totally to him. Because of holding ourselves back, we might just be fervent souls rather than saintly souls. So we must unite our will with the will of Mary. Then we will better glorify the Lord in all we do and think and say. Well, how many souls actually receive this gift of the presence of Mary? Well, Father Newbert says that if for every one soul that has extraordinary mystical phenomena, like levitations and apparitions, there's probably maybe five to 50 souls who will receive this special gift of the mystical presence of Mary, this union with her. So there's hope, right? We know it happens. They write about it. They tell about it. So how does this union manifest? Well, most souls don't recognize it when it actually happens. They only recognize it in hindsight after seeing it described by somebody or someone else or about reading about it. Perhaps you are only now recognizing you have a sense of it. There can also be a direct experience that seems like the soul is able with Mary to love Jesus with greater intensity and purity than before, one that you recognize is not your own. It may be expressed like this. Oh, Jesus, it is no longer I that love you. It is your mother who loves you in me. The Marian soul is conscious of loving Jesus with the heart of Mary and of loving Mary with the heart of Jesus. That is very profound, and I hope you will take time to really ponder that. It feels the Blessed Virgin is a bond of love between God and itself. The Marian soul feels Mary always acting in itself as if she dwelt in its interior. The soul feels in Mary. Now being in Mary is a degree higher than with Mary. All these Marian souls remain individual persons distinct from Mary, but feel Mary taking an interior possession of their activities. She transfuses them into them her thoughts, her sentiments, her love, her will, and her activity. You can see this is a very high degree of union with Mary. Marian souls speak of their identification with Mary in the same sense in which St. Paul speaks of his identification with Christ. It is now no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. From Galatians 2 verse 20. So what does this growth in union with Mary depend on? generosity of soul, being properly disposed through an intense interior life of love, 
and our, res our favorable response to her call. So what are some ways that we can increase our generosity to Mary? Number one, make all the sacrifices and efforts required to leave a life deeply interior as possible. Number two, renew frequently your consecration to Mary. Number three, frequently glance at Mary so as to live under her watchful eye. She is a real presence, a live person, a live presence, not just an image or thought. Number four, pray with aspirations to Mary often. Number five, just repeat the names of Jesus and Mary because in mystic union, as opposed to the acquired union, with Jesus and Mary, this practice of saying the names of Jesus and Mary is greatly perfected. A person does not merely recall, he actually feels that he is Jesus saying Mary, that he is Mary saying Jesus. This intimate experience puts much more love and efficacy into it. Now if we were doing a prayer practicum, I would ask you to practice saying the name of Jesus. And in order to get an idea of the, the progression of this intimacy, I would say, okay, first of all, just say the name of Jesus like you were talking to someone else who would deliver your message to him. The second level of intimacy would be say the name of Jesus as in a conver casual conversation with him, Jesus. Three, Say the name of Jesus as in an intimate conversation of great importance. Jesus. And finally, say the name of Jesus through this sacred, sorrowful Makahara Mary, not only with Mary, but being in Mary. Jesus. Marian souls would like to love Jesus so much, but they feel their poverty and their coldness. So what do they do? They call on Mary in order to love the son with the heart of his mother. And we can do that too. Venerable Michael of St. Augustine expresses the reality of the high state of perfection that devotion to Mary reaches through the action of the Holy Spirit. This is his description of a Marian soul or a mariform life. He says, Marian souls reach a point where they are scarcely able for a moment to forget Mary, their mother. Because of the tenderness of their love, they seem to lose themselves in Mary, to be almost absorbed in her. At times, they experience great joy in seeing their dear mother so powerful, so greatly loved and honored by God. They know not what to say or do in thanksgiving to God for having thus honored their mother. After Jesus, the greatest joy for these souls is now Mary. Even hearing her spoken of is for them an indescribable sweetness. The Marian soul sometimes seems to have Mary as its very life breath. When hearing or speaking Mary's name, or even when writing or merely thinking it, the soul is filled with joy and takes the occasion to renew the complete oblation of its heart to her so that in her hands it may be cleansed from all that displeases her and God." End of quote. The Marian soul so sincerely and tenderly loves Mary and God that it can be said to live in Mary with and in God, for his soul is more properly where it loves than where it lives. In summary, I'd like to quote Father Newbert. He wrote this back in the 1950s, but is very applicable to our day today. He says, it is evidently the desire of our Lord to see the greatest possible number of souls live in closest intimacy with his mother. At a time when the powers of hell are unloosed and have organized a desperate war with such powerful and clever means against religion and against the very idea of God. The great adversary of Satan must also appear in her brightness. 
in order to inflict a more humiliating defeat than ever before upon the ancient serpent. The more children she can unite closely to herself in this struggle, the more glorious will be her victory. There cannot then be question only of the individual fervor of Marian souls, but of the salvation of numberless souls. There's a question of the triumph of our mother, the church, that the triumph of our mother, the Virgin Immaculate. There's question of the very glory of the adorable Trinity. May the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be glorified in all places through the Immaculate Virgin Mary. In closing, Amen. I'd like to issue you a spiritual challenge. Live the life of Mary. Have her sentiments in you. Enter into her dispositions. Follow her inclinations. And love what she loves. Our final prayer then is one that was written by a Carmelite nun, a discalced Carmelite nun named Mother Immaculata. It's called Todus Tuus, which means totally yours. Um, Saint uh, Pope John Paul II also used this prayer as a consecration to Mary. So I'd like you to get recollected and think of Mary present in you, with you, and through you. Let us pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Immaculate Conception, Mary, my mother, Amen. live in me, act in me, speak in me and through me, think your thoughts in my mind, love through my heart. Give me your dispositions and feelings. Teach, lead me, and guide me to Jesus. Correct, enlighten, and expand my thoughts and behavior. Possess my soul. Take over my entire personality and life. Replace it with yourself. Incline me to constant adoration. Pray in me and through me. Let me live in you and keep me in this union always. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Amen. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.
the Dayton area, um, you know, take an opportunity to look a little deeper into us and see if there isn't an opportunity for you to get involved, to volunteer in some way. And what I want to promise you is that you'll capture the zeal that Michael talked about and you will find yourself transformed by participation in the ministry itself. And you will see the face of Christ in those you serve. And in that spirit, let us pray for the poor and the needy in our society. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, you came to give honor to the least, those forgotten, overlooked, and misjudged. You came to give first place to the last, those left behind, misunderstood, and undervalued. You came to give a warm welcome to the lost, those who are orphaned, abandoned, and destitute. Help us to be your ears to listen to their cries. Help us to be your voice speaking out of love and acceptance. Help us to be your feet walking beside those in need. Help us to be your hands to clothe, feed, and shelter them. You came for the least, the lost, and the last of this world. Lord, hear our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. A reminder, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria a Christian voice in your home until we're with you again next week. God bless.